Welcome to A Slob Comes Clean, the podcast. I'm Dana K. White. I blog over at aslobcomesclean.com. That's where I share my personal deslobification process as I figure out ways to keep my own home under control. I share the truth about cleaning and organizing strategies that actually work in real life for real people, people who may not love cleaning and organizing. This is podcast number 219, and I think I'm going to call it Downsizing the Slow Way Part 1 or the Beginning or something like that. Um, This is a big subject. Like Downsizing is kind of the culmination of any and all stuff issues from your entire life. So I know there are people who listen to this who are personally in the midst of downsizing themselves. Well, I mean, not like themselves, but their stuff. But they're personally in the midst of downsizing. And all of this, I hope will be helpful for you. I'm actually coming at it more from the perspective of when you're the person knowing what's coming, maybe even more than the person who is in the situation that you're trying to help. So I'm more coming from the perspective of helping a family member. Okay, because and and there's we talked last week in the last podcast about wishing someone else would declutter. And the whole reason that I did that one was it's a weird situation to be in. It just is. I mean, let's all flip the script and think about when somebody else thinks that they know better what to do with our lives and our homes and our stuff and everything than we do. Yeah, I don't like it. And nobody does. So there, you know, we, we have to th- get that mentality right of, you know, what right do we have? What's the realistic expectations that we can have of someone else, which is basically nothing. We can't have expectations of anybody. Um, But you know, what, where are we coming from and all that? So today we're going to talk about kind of the gradual getting into that. So I'm not talking about, oh my goodness, they have to move this weekend. Like I have, um, I had Connie Albers on the show maybe back in the spring, I think I have time passage awareness disorder. Those of you guys who um, <clears throat> have been around a while know what that is. And that is, uh, it's hard for me to remember how long ago something happened. Anyway, it's very related to my <laughs> clutter issues. But I had Connie on at some point, probably in the last year. And she, I, I know recently I saw on Instagram that she was um, helping to clean out her grandfather's home because he was moving like from Florida to Ohio. So we're talking like total, absolute lifetime worth of stuff has to be dealt with and gone. And I mean, I think it was like in a week or a weekend or something very, a very short amount of time. Um, And so that's not what we're talking about today. We are going to talk about that in future podcasts. But I'm talking more about the kind of like we talked about last week that when you know that a train wreck is coming, meaning when you know there is going to be a time and we're starting to feel like it's going to be sooner than later. You know, it's not something we can just kind of put out into the, oh, that's in the future. I don't have to think about it right now. But it starts to become a, oh, yeah, it's going to happen, you know, because of either failing health or situations, whatever. What can you go ahead and start doing? That's what we're talking about today. Okay. Um, I do a couple of business things. Um, I do want to remind you, if you are in the Dallas area, um, south of Dallas in Waxahachie, I will be speaking on September 19th, which is a couple weeks away. There is a fee because it's going to have like a dinner and a craft and 
me speaking. And anyway, it's going to be a lot of fun, but it is like $20. So anyway, there is an RSVP. I will um, put that in the show notes. I hope I remember to do that. If I don't, just email me a slob comes clean at gmail.com. The other thing is that uh, Get Organized HQ starts on Monday. That is HQ stands for headquarters. Uh, you can go to aslobcomesclean.com slash HQ, the letters HQ, and uh, that'll have a link to that for you to get signed up for that. That's my affiliate link. It is a free event. During the week, you can watch all the different videos by different organizing experts, which includes me somehow. But anyway, it is totally free. There is a paid option. I'm going to explain all of that and how it works at the end of the podcast, um, because this is something that, you know, if you're listening to this in the future, you don't care because it's over and oh well. Prep Dish is a longtime sponsor of the A Slob Comes Clean podcast. And I love hearing from so many of you about how Prep Dish has made your life easier. Around here, we are people with good intentions, but we struggle with follow through, right? Prep Dish helps turn good intentions into reality. So what is Prep Dish? Well, it's a healthy subscription-based meal planning service with a unique twist. Following the plan Allison sends you each week, which includes a paleo plan and a gluten-free plan, you do all of your prep work in one session so that throughout the week, you can get healthy meals on the table super fast. Try it out. See if it's a good fit for your family. See if it helps turn your good intentions into reality. Allison is offering listeners of A Slob Comes Clean a free two-week trial. Go to prepdish.com slash A Slob Comes Clean. That's prepdish.com slash A Slob Comes Clean for a free two-week trial. All right, so let's get started on talking about downsizing the beginning of the process or the slow way or something or whatever it is that I happen to call this podcast. Um, So just reminder, every situation, every relationship is different. So I'm coming at this from the perspective of someone who has gone through this in the last little over two years. So two years ago, last summer, uh, we had to get my in-laws moved into assisted living. We had basically been knowing that it was coming. We were waiting for the train wreck. We had tried a lot of different things to try to, you know, get them to be proactive. They were not willing to. Um, And then my father-in-law broke his hip and we said, okay, that's it. You're moving. Now he did end up passing away actually before, or actually, anyway, long story, but basically at the time of him moving, he passed away. So um, my mother-in-law did move, but that was kind of the end of this process. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what we did leading up to that. I feel very confident saying that we did everything we could up to that point. And when I say we could, I mean, considering our unique family dynamics, you know, um, I, I might be the most go getter person in the family and I'm technically not blood. So, you know, I mean, that's kind of a, that's its own dynamic. Every family has its own dynamic. Um, you know, and and our situation was that my father-in-law, his worst nightmare was being put in a home, you know, I mean, like, which we're just going to call it a home because that's what he would call it. You know I mean? And he, I can remember one time, I think my sister-in-law had taken him to like a, senior citizen center, they were kind of trying to find them something to, you know, kind of the services, but also just the social aspect of things and stuff when my mother in law was um, 
really having some health issues and needed, you know, she just needed some socialization. Anyway, my sister-in-law took them there, had explained ahead of time what it was that they were going to do. And his anxiety was so bad, you know, he wasn't really listening. He got there and he was just convinced that she was dropping him off at a home. Like it was a senior citizen center. It was like, it wasn't a place where anybody lived, you know, but that was the situation for us. My mother-in-law, she knew it was coming, but she wasn't exactly proactive. Do you know what I mean? Like she wasn't looking into anything on her own. She knew it was going to happen. She knew it needed to happen. And so that gave her some level of cooperation. Um, I mean, she, she knew that they were moving toward the point of not being safe in their home. And, and yet she wasn't helpful, if that makes sense. So like cooperative, but not necessarily helpful or proactive in any way. So that's kind of our unique situation, but your unique situation is unique. Did you know there's no degrees of unique? Did you know that? I heard that once in college and it makes sense, but I feel like it was a a thing that I wish I didn't know because most people don't know that and don't think about it and don't care. And yet it drives me crazy when people say something is very unique. It's like, no, it's either if it's unique, it's one of a kind. So there's no degrees. It's not a little unique. There's no such thing as very unique. Unique is unique. Anyway, um, but that's the point. You guys have your own unique situation. I don't know what yours is. I don't know if people are kicking their feet and kicking and screaming and dragging their feet. That's the word. But I don't know which one it is for you in your situation or if you're being asked to help or if somebody is making things happen on their own and expecting you to come help when you don't necessarily have time or ability or whatever to do that. I have no idea because I hear all different kinds of situations and you do too. You know, we, my husband and I, I feel like we're a little advanced because um, his dad was 39 when he was born and my husband was 32 when we got married. So that kind of just puts us a little bit, you know, like older parents, than most people our age. Although I know people younger than us who have older parents than, you know, his parents. So, but as a general rule, most people that I know around my age have parents in their 70s. His parents were in their, you know, late 80s. Um, His dad would have been 90 right before he passed away. So, and that was a couple years ago. So that, you know, that's the situation, but I'm learning, you know, we're starting to have these conversations with our friends of, you know, it's a thing. It's a thing you go through. People go through this. So it's like one of those many things in life where everybody's situation is unique and yet everybody's situation is the same. Meaning everybody gets to a point where you can't function the way that you've always functioned. And we all want to be that person who's like, well, he's, you know, 99 years old and living on his own and driving and doing perfectly fine and can see and hear and fix his own meals and all that kind of stuff. That's great. But the reality is that most people are not that way and are going to need some kind of help. And that falls to family members. So the thing to remember is I am not prescribing an exact way of doing things because hello, I don't know everything and I'm not a professional certified senior citizen helper, but I'm just telling you what we've been through and how the decluttering principles that I've had to use in my own house and that I've developed through that and that are in my books and all that kind of stuff. Those are the same principles and strategies and steps that I used in my in-laws house and they worked really well, specifically because they're non-emotional. 
I had to develop non-emotional decluttering strategies for myself because I am so emotional and because I do have an attachment to everything. So I had to come up with some something other than do I like this thing to help me get rid of stuff. And because I did that, um, those things work really well in situations with other people, particularly in emotionally charged situations, which the thought of everything in your life as you know it changing, um, that's emotionally charged. It's pretty much the definition of emotionally charged. Anyway, so how you personally relate and interact, um, the emotional baggage that you have in this relationship, all those things play into this, okay? Um, there's also powdered butt syndrome. I'm sorry, children who are listening, don't repeat that. But um, Dave Ramsey says it, so I can say it right. Powdered bobo syndrome is what he calls the hesitation of parents to take financial advice from their grown children, meaning nobody wants to take advice from somebody whose bobo they powdered, which do we even use powder anymore? Isn't that like a, I don't know, whatever. I'm not getting into that. Um, but that's reality. Okay. So that is truth. Meaning, you know, everybody has their own unique relationships with their parents, but then that's just a universal truth is that it's really hard for a lot of, um, older adults to take advice from people who they once took to the bathroom. So a couple of things that I have to remind myself and that I think are really key here are also mottos of different great groups. Okay. Um, I believe a motto of the medical community, y'all feel free to correct me because I did not actually look this up, is first do no harm, right? Like I, I think I'm pretty sure I heard that on ER at some point. But first do no harm, meaning be helpful, yes, but always remember don't do harm. Like that's the goal is first do no harm. And as you're working with somebody in their home, as you are going into the situation, remind yourself, first do no harm. And other thing is the Girl Scouts, or at least it was my mom's motto when she was our Girl Scout leader. And that is always leave a place better than you found it. Um, And the reason that I say this is that tendency that happens with families when you're like, well, I can let it all hang out here now. Okay, I'm such, I'm just going to be real honest. You know, we had some issues with my mother-in-law at the end of, you know, for probably the last six months of her life in her assisted living, not being as kind to people as she had always been before. And I really feel like, and this is not a negative. I'm just saying, I really feel like Part of it was her feeling more at home because she would say when I would take her to the doctor, then the doctor would ask her, you know, what's your living situation like? I mean, I think they have to ask that of all older patients, but, um, you know, what's your living situation like? And she would say, oh, we're just like a family. And it was like the more she felt like they were family, the less kind she treated, (laughs) the less patience that she had with people, you know, and I. And it just was interesting to me. It was, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm just saying that's kind of, I mean, I think it's reality. I've talked to a lot of other people that have had that same, you know, experience with their, their parents in these situations, but it is a natural tendency to be less nice to your family than you are to random strangers. Okay. And I think sometimes when we're talking about clutter issues that can translate into um, this whole, you know, sometimes it feels necessary to, which 
if you know me, you know, I'm very against it, but it's the whole decluttering without making a bigger mess. Most people think you do have to make a bigger mess to declutter. You don't. You don't have to follow my strategies. It's in different podcasts and everywhere all over my site. But um, sometimes with that lack of kindness (laughs) that happens with family members and that, well, we just tell it like it is. I mean, that was a big joke where I was like, well, I'm just saying because, you know, I'm just telling you what I think because we're family. That's what my mother-in-law would always say. I wouldn't say this to anybody else, but I'm saying to you, which I appreciate. I'm glad to have that relationship with people. But that tends to happen, you know, and it's kind of like, I'm going to make this mess and they need to get over it because I'm helping them where you might not do that for a non-family member. So going into it and remembering that if you cause a bigger mess, you're only going to frustrate this person more. They're going to feel negative feelings toward your help with decluttering as opposed to positive feelings. Remember the whole first do no harm. You know, remember that it is harmful to go into somebody's house that they've been functioning in just fine and move everything and pull everything out. And now they can't get to that, you know, bookshelf over there that they knew exactly where everything was. And you pulled everything out all over on the floor and then you had to leave and, you know, are stuck They're They're worse off than they were before you showed up. You know, like remember that first do no harm. You know, that's the reason why my strategies of decluttering without making a bigger mess, which is all based on things go immediately to, you know, whatever you've decided to do with them, either donate them, throw them away or take them to their, their home that you established through the questions. But anyway, that, you know, that's how you do it so that you don't end up with a bigger mess so that you don't cause harm because a bigger mess in someone else's home I mean, if somebody walked into your house and you've got a system set up and they pull everything out and then they leave, that's harmful to you, right? It's discouraging. And this whole point of us talking about the slow help in downsizing is that you gain some trust, that you have a long-term goal. And part of that long-term goal is to get them on board, right? As much as possible. And then leave it better than you found it. I mean, that's probably the most obvious one of all of them. And that was the Girl Scout one of, you know, always leave a space better than you found it. And it's hard because the reason they have to have that saying is, you know, you go to a campsite and it's got a little bit of um, trash that the last people left and you look at it and you're like, and so then you do your thing and you're like, Oh, well we basically got it back to, you know, it's as good as it was before. And the idea is, no, we're actually, the goal here is to help things be better. And remember those words, less and better. And remember how if you've, if you're listening to my podcast, you probably have had to apply these words in your own home too. And one of the things I hear from people all the time is thank you for letting it be okay for me to focus on just having less in my home and just making things better because that is very freeing. And so Remember, even if you don't make absolute perfect progress, which is really hard if you only have a day to go over there or a weekend or whatever, but remember that if there's less stuff in the house than there was when you got there, you've made progress, okay? And always remember that, you know, along these lines, even though they may not see their own mess that they're living in, if you make it worse, And you're going to think, well, what's the difference between (laughs) this stuff I just pulled out of here? I mean, come on, over there is a big old corner full of junk, too. What's the difference? I mean, it didn't make it any worse. 
Um, there's a difference between their own mess that they're used to and that they've adjusted to and that they see all of the logic and they made the decision to do whatever, stick this stuff there. or They feel it's procrastinate clutter and they're like, well, I'm going to get to that eventually. There's a lot different emotions attached to their own mess than there is to new mess that you create, especially in a home that's already overwhelming to them. Our next sponsor is Warby Parker. My husband wears glasses. Y'all, glasses can be very expensive, and that expense has, in the past, caused us to put off getting him new ones, even when he needed it. So I'm excited about this sponsor, Warby Parker. Warby Parker is a new concept in eyewear. Available exclusively through Warby Parker's website and retail stores, glasses start at $95, including prescription lenses. Don't get overwhelmed. If you need help, take the quiz. That's how you do this. You answer a few quick questions and they'll suggest some great looking glasses that are totally personalized to fit your face and style. We took the quiz, used the free try on program. They sent us a box with, I think it was five pairs of glasses for him to try out. And it was honestly a lot of fun to do that. With the free home try on program, here's what you do. You order five pairs of glasses recommended to you after you took the quiz and try them on for five days. There's no obligation to buy. It ships free and it includes a prepaid return shipping label. Head to warbyparker.com, that's W-A-R-B-Y-P-A-R-K-E-R.com slash clean to order your free home try-on. Take the quiz to find a pair that is perfect for you today. Again, the glasses start at $95, including prescription lenses. Lenses include anti-glare and anti-scratch coatings. And blue light filtering lenses are lenses are also now available. Do you have an iPhone X? Make sure to download Warby Parker's app where you can use their brand new virtual try-on, allowing you to try on eyeglasses, seeing the realistic color, texture, and size of each style using just your phone. And one last really cool fun fact. For every pair of glasses sold, Warby Parker distributes a pair of glasses to someone in need. Again, head to warbyparker.com slash clean to order your free home try-on. Take the quiz and find a pair that's perfect for you today. That's warbyparker.com slash clean to order your free home try-on. Okay, I am excited to tell you about this sponsor again to give you an update now that I've been using their products for about six months. As a woman smack dab in the middle of my 40s, I can't pretend I don't need to be concerned about my skin. Honestly, I love the products I got from Beauty by Design. That's the sponsor, Beauty by Design. They feel so good and my skin looks and feels so much healthier. You can get a free trial. You fill out a quick skin survey, snap a selfie, and after a short text-based consultation, your esthetician which means skin expert, handpicks the exact right serum to address your most pressing skin concern. This $60 product is free as part of the trial. Your esthetician also curates a custom skincare routine specifically for you, your skin, and your concerns. It's true personalization. This is what I loved the most about this process. I get overwhelmed by all the things I don't know about all the things, but my esthetician, very fun to say that, right? Um, helped me figure out my biggest concerns and how best to address them. And I have to say the products that she picked out for me have addressed my concerns. So my specifically my dry skin and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, she 
picked it out. It's worked really well. You get on-demand skin advice as well. You get unlimited expert guidance from a licensed esthetician. Text your esthetician. How many times am I going to say that? With questions anytime. It's like having your own skin concierge all for free. Your BBD, that's Beauty by Design, esthetician will even ask for selfies every 30 days and monitor your progress. I feel the need to repeat it. This part of the service is free too. Beauty by Design offers over 100 cleansers, moisturizers, serums, eye creams, and more formulated with over 250 organic performance ingredients. Beauty by Design products are vegan, cruelty-free, paraben-free, sulfate-free, and made with no synthetic fragrances or hormone disruptors. Order products if and whenever you want to. You are in control. There's no obligation and no risk, satisfaction, and real results guaranteed. I really do love and use this skincare. It was so easy since it was all done on text message and the products and the results have been great. You get one, an in-depth skin plan, diagnosis from a licensed esthetician, and two, a free $60 valued performance packed serum to attack your top skin concern, just pay the shipping and the handling. Try before you buy and get real results guaranteed to work. To experience the world's most personalized skincare for free, go to beautybydesign.com slash clean and use promo code clean today to start your free trial. No risk, only better skin rewards. Again, that is beautybydesign.com slash clean using the promo code clean today to start your free trial. Remember to that, you know, we're going to talk about the non-emotional steps, the, by, I have five steps in my decluttering process. Okay. I'll go, go over those for y'all really quickly. Number one is trash needs a black trash bag so that they can't see what you're putting inside of it. Once they decide, it's not that you're sneaking things in there um, because this is their house and their stuff. But once it's in there, they don't continue to see it and and reevaluate that. Number two is easy stuff, meaning um, things that do have an established place in the house. They're just not there for whatever reason. A lot of times when someone is um, struggling with clutter and struggling with physical limitations, it might be because, you know, they got overwhelmed at these things being out of place and then it gets frustrating. So, you know, being the feet, being the person to go actually physically take those things to where they go is helpful and clears out a space. And then there's duh clutter, which we're going to talk a lot about today. And uh, which is just anything that's obvious, obviously needs to go. I don't know why I still have it. It just needs to go. Um, And then the two decluttering questions and then implementing the container concept, make it fit into the space that you have available. We are going to focus on the first three because we're specifically going to talk about having a garage sale. And I'm not going to talk about the best strategies for having a garage sale, a successful one. I actually have, I think like four podcasts where I talk about how to have a successful garage sale, but I am going to talk about having a garage sale as a strategy for helping someone ease into this process of downsizing. Okay. If we're going the slow method, because having a garage sale is a thing that people do, right? I mean, a lot of people have had a garage sale at some point, have heard their friends talk about having garage sales, have thought about having a garage sale, have looked at the stuff in their house and thought, whew, whew, one of these days I'm gonna have to have a garage sale. That is a normal, non, you're getting close to the point where you're gonna have to move 
out of your home that you've lived in forever event. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's a non-threatening thing. It's a logical thing that people do. So it's a great thing to help them with and say, you know, now this is coming from me who has come to a point where I don't do garage sales anymore. I just donate. Like I donate it all. That sounded funny. I donate it all. I donate it all. Anyway, but I do. I donate everything because I have come to that point. But I came to that point after having had many garage sales and experiencing how much work it is to get rid of stuff, experiencing how nice it was to have that stuff out of my house, experiencing all of that kind of stuff. So it is a great non-threatening starting point to offer to help with a garage sale because most people whose homes are, now we're talking about somebody whose home is cluttered, okay? We're talking about somebody that you look at it and you go, there's gonna be a lot to do in this house. Offering to help, you know, hey, have you thought about having a garage sale? Or if you live nearby, I'd really like to have a garage sale. Do you wanna do it together? We could have it here so it'd be easier for you. I'll bring my stuff. That's one of the things that we did. We brought some of our, I didn't bring very much because I was already at a, a point of donating almost everything, but I just let her have the money. You know, I didn't worry about, Um, mine and my sister-in-law and brother-in-law, they brought um, their stuff. And so it was kind of a family event as opposed to a, you know, y'all are going to have to move out of here at some point. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was more of a, let's do this together. So that is a way to start easing into this conversation. It's also a great way for you to say, okay, well, if we're going to have this garage sale at the end of October, which is a great time to have a garage sale because the weather, at least in Texas, it's not usually not crazy hot. Except, you know, the year that it was insanely hot all the way through the end of October was the year I was pregnant with my daughter. And random thought, I honestly think I had a baby in September, which meant I was hugely pregnant all the way through the hot Texas summer. And then I had a baby in April, which meant I was barely pregnant in the hottest part of the year. And I actually think it was easier when I was hugely pregnant because when you're hugely pregnant, everybody says, oh, you need to sit down, you poor baby. But when nobody knows you're pregnant yet, they're like, what is wrong with you? Come on, it's this hot every summer. Anyway, but that summer it went all the way to the end of October. But let's say that you are, you think, oh, it's gonna be pretty. Let's put a date on the calendar. That's the key for a garage sale. Put that date on the calendar And then say, okay, it's September right now. I'm going to come and help you every Saturday. Or let's say that you have to fly in or something. I'm going to come in and I'm going to um, come in two different weekends. And we're going to get a lot done. I mean, your situation is your situation. You have to figure out how to make it work. But if you come into that, then that gives you that excuse to start going through the house. You know, when it's somebody, when you are convincing them to have a garage sale, do the area that they want done first. Now we talked last week about helping with procrastinate clutter and how that's a valid way to get going on, you know, and helping people kind of guide them into this idea that decluttering is not a scary thing. Um, But if we are talking about the garage sale, start with the stuff that they say first. So let's say that they say, oh yeah, my storage shed or, oh yeah, 
that closet, that hall closet, um, has a bunch of stuff in there, I bet, that needs to go for a garage sale. Those are not visible spaces, but go ahead and start with that because you're proving you've got to be proving that you're being helpful. And the beauty of a garage sale is it's like, well, if we're going to do all this work, we might as well go through a whole lot of stuff. Now, as you get into that, as you get into this phase, I wrote, so I have been having trouble sleeping lately and I was doing better, but um, I got up in the middle of the night and wrote my notes on note cards, which means I keep having to figure out which one is next. We'll see how that goes. Anyway, so here we are at the point where you are starting to go through things. You're going through the stuff that they want first, okay? We're using steps one through three of the decluttering process, okay? You're not really getting to the point where you're making those hard, hard decisions at first, okay? You really focus on steps one through three, which is going ahead and always having a trash bag, a black trash bag with you when you are working on a space so that you can put trash in there. Because that's one of those things where you start to see that a space, oh, it has stuff in here that's not even worth selling in a garage sale. Okay. That's not even worth, you know, anything. So, and if it's not worth selling in a garage sale, it's also not worth donating and it needs to go in the trash. But so we're going to put it, um, you know, in the trash, uh, we're moving stuff out of here that's easy, that's not very emotionally difficult. And then we're pulling out the obvious stuff with the duh clutter. Okay. If you want to keep going with the decluttering questions and make those hard decisions about things that at first glance, they think, oh, I want to keep it, but they don't know what to do with it. So the question, it wasn't easy, you know, as in step two, but then the questions are, if I needed this item, where would I look for it first and then take it there right now? Or if I can't answer that one, would it ever occur to me that I already had one? Those get into a little bit more difficult, true decluttering stuff as far as making decisions about every last item. But our goal here is less, better, and get them on board for getting rid of stuff, getting stuff out of their house. So if you stop at decluttering step number three, duh clutter, that space is going to be better off than it was before. Okay. And you're going to have less in there. It'll be less overwhelming. You leave for the week to go about your normal life. And then they can see the stuff in that space. And there's a really good chance that you're going to come back the next weekend or whenever it is that you're able to come back to help. And they're going to say, you know what, I've actually been thinking about some of that stuff in there. I think some of that stuff needs to go. Okay. And that might open up the conversation to make some of those more difficult decisions using the last steps of the process. Does that make sense? But even just going through those first three steps as you're helping them you know, go through these different areas in their home, different spaces in their home, that is going to make the space better than it was before. And that's, that's the key here. And also kind of remember decluttering paralysis is real. And especially when it's as daunting as, oh my goodness, at some point in the future, I'm going to have to get rid of every single thing in this house. That's beyond daunting, you know, especially for somebody who struggles with clutter. So if you work on that, um, if you just do those super non-threatening first three steps, then huh, it kind of greases that decluttering wheel. Does that make sense? Right. Because all those steps are easy. Like those are the easiest steps. And they also make people go, oh, wow, decluttering is not as scary as I thought it was going to be. Um, also, the the value trap process. So I've talked about this a lot before. There's also a chapter in how to manage your home without losing your mind about the value trap, meaning 
you know, the confidence that or the nagging feeling, the opposite of confidence, the nagging feeling that I've got a bunch of stuff in this house that's worth a lot of money that um, I I really don't want to give it away because I could really use that money, Um, which can, you know, for us was a real issue for my for my in-laws, you know, because they they didn't feel confident in their financial situation for whatever was going to come next. It was you know, very scary to them of how that was going to affect them financially. And so that made the stuff in their house feel more valuable or, or like they needed to get the value out of things. So the garage sale process is a great opportunity to get started on that value trap process. And when I say that, what I mean is, you know, the value trap part of it is that it can be um, paralyzing when you think, oh, that's worth a lot of money, but I don't know how to get rid of it, or I don't have the time to get the actual money out of it that I want. So I just leave it in my house and it just drives me crazy. Okay. I don't want it, but I won't get rid of it because I think it's worth money. Like that's the value trap. But the process I'm talking about is going ahead and doing the work to try to get the money out of it. And if you're already in garage sale mode, that's a great opportunity to say, okay, this stuff right here, you talk about it for a garage sale. Um, like, let's say, you know, we talked last week about my uh, mother-in-law's set of China that she had bought, purchased from her neighbor and never used. But anyway, that set that um, in her mind, the only reason she had it was the value that she was sure it had and would continue to have and that she would be able to sell it one day. So that becomes something, you know, that this garage sale conversation opens up that conversation. So it either becomes something of we're going to put this in the garage sale. How much would you like to put on it? Okay, like what kind of value if they say something that you're pretty confident is not going to um, happen at a garage sale, then that's a time for you to say, well, can I put this in a, you know, Facebook group and, you know, join a local Facebook group for um, the area that you're actually in where people would come pick it up and say, you know, can I, can I put it in a Facebook group and let's see if we can get that much for it. You know, let's see what the reaction is because either you get that much for it and it's already gone. And that's great because whenever stuff leaves, you know, y'all, the first time I had a garage sale after I had my own house, I turned people away who came early. That is so dumb. Like, <laughs> Like I look back and I go, what was wrong with me? And I think my mom came out because she'd come up to help me. And I think she came out and was like, Dana, did you tell those people to leave? She was like, always let them look, you know? And I was like, well, it wasn't all put out yet or whatever. No, anything that can leave now. I mean, the whole goal is for stuff to leave. That's the whole point of a guard sale. But anyway, so go ahead, you know, ask him, can I put it on um, a Facebook group and I'll put that much on it and let's see what happens especially if you don't live there, you don't have to be as embarrassed that you're asking what you're convinced is a lot more <laughs> for something um, than you ever think it will get. But that kind of thing helps start that value trap cycle of, oh, here's a reality check. I put it on Facebook for what you thought we would get for it and nobody wanted it. So what that might do is either help them realize that it's not going to get that much and they're willing to put a lot lower price on it for the garage sale. Um, but, but even if that doesn't happen for us, that didn't happen. I honestly don't remember with the China. I'm assuming we did put it out during the garage sale. We probably put the high price on it 
and um, it didn't sell and she kept it. And it was years later that we finally got rid of it um, for a lot less, you know, through Facebook. But at the same time, I'm still glad we did the garage sale because the garage sale produced the experience of having a whole lot less in that house and a whole lot less to deal with later. Okay. So anyway, with the, with the value trap, as you move through this process with the garage sale, remember that, you know, just remind them that the garage sale is kind of the last resort and you're willing to help them. If they are convinced this is going to get a lot of money, then say, okay, well, you're probably going to get a lot more money if we try to sell it on eBay or online or whatever. And um, pick again, don't try to do it all at one time, but say, you know, what's one thing in here that you're most convinced is worth a lot of money. And I'll try to sell that on eBay. And no, you don't have to take, you know, you can put your lowest starting price as the least amount that they're willing to take for it, which is kind of hard with people who don't understand eBay because, you know, my mother-in-law, I know she had sold things in the past and she was like, well, you put the higher price first and then people come down. And then eBay is different because you put the lowest price you're willing to take and then it goes up from there with an auction. You know, so sometimes that's where Craigslist became a better option with her because she was able to kind of do things in the way that she was used to and understood. But going through that process, one one thing that they're the most confident is worth a lot of money. Do that one item first to build in that process of letting them see, oh, it didn't sell for that amount or it does, which is great. And then you put it in the garage sale. Oh, it didn't sell. And all of that is a natural progression toward being willing to donate or toward even if the the point does come down the line where you do have to donate something and they really still wish it was worth more money, at least they know you tried, right? Which is very helpful in a relationship for them to know that you took their concerns seriously, that you didn't go, that's stupid. Nobody's going to want that. Nobody wants to hear that, especially with something that their whole life they've been looking at thinking, oh, that's going to get me a lot of money someday, you know, that you tried. And just the fact that you tried is positive for this relationship and is going to help continue um, this whole process that is going to inevitably happen. It's going to make that relationship a little easier. Not that it's ever going to be easy. So we talked about the different types of people, you know, so my situation was in these situations and how willing they are. My father-in-law um, was not willing to get rid of any of his stuff when we did a garage sale with them. Uh, we, we did the garage sale, I would say probably five years before they ended up having to move, okay, before we had to clear out the whole house. And I've said it many times, I am so grateful we did that garage sale. When we finally did have to clean out the house, all the work that we put into the garage sale was absolutely worth it. Even though I don't think we sold a single thing of my father-in-law's other than maybe some clothes. I mean, really, he did not, he wasn't willing to get rid of a single tool. You know, he always joked about the clamps. He had these clamps in his shop and he probably had 500 clamps, you know, but he wasn't willing to get rid of those things. My mother-in-law was willing to get rid of some stuff, was willing for us to help her with that kind of stuff. And so we did. And the house was better off. You know, it's that same thing of declutter your own stuff first and neutral stuff. And the house will be better off than it was before. And living will be easier. Functioning will be easier. Future emergencies will be able to be handled more easily because of less stuff in the house, even though somebody didn't get rid of any, rid of, any of their stuff. 
you know, my father-in-law held on to his stuff, was not willing to do that. And yet the house and the whole situation as time went on was so much better because we focused on the stuff that was neutral that he didn't care about or the stuff that was my mother-in-law's that she was willing to let go of. Okay. And the reason I say that is there's a tendency, especially in families to get so frustrated over stuff like that. And it is tends to be more frustrating as families, uh, family members, but to get so frustrated over that, that it just becomes this big stop sign, you know, like this big roadblock of, I can't, we can't move past this because there's part of me that wants to sit here and argue until I finally get it across to him that you need to get rid of that stuff. And instead that halts the process, hurts the relationship and doesn't ultimately help in the long run. Do you know what I mean? This episode is also sponsored by Carbona. Carbona has been helping people live life unstained for more than a century. Carbona offers a wide range of cleaning and home care solutions that deliver impressive results from specific stain removers for specific stain types to highly efficient products for your laundry, carpets, and washing machine. But let's talk about carpet. We got new carpet last summer, a year ago. That was after living in this house for 11 years regretting that we didn't get new carpet when we first moved in. So needless to say, I love my new carpet and my new rug in my newly decorated living room. It's new to me. Anyway, whatever. I love it. So I love Carbona's two-in-one carpet cleaner. I've personally used it on things like, I don't know, dog vomit and spilled milk and such. Um, So here's how it works. It's complete with oxy-powered formula with active foam technology. This is a proprietary formula technology that actively removes stains and odors with a bubbling action, leaving carpets clean and fresh. The built-in applicator sponge cleans the surface stains and odors while the bristles deep clean the carpet fibers. It's cool. Did you get that? So like the applicator sponge and bristle and all that kind of stuff It just attaches to the bottle of the stuff, which makes it all so much easier to use. Want to start living your life unstained? Shop Carbona.com, that's C-A-R-B-O-N-A.com with the code CLEAN for 20% off your order. Again, use the code CLEAN at Carbona.com for 20% off your order. So here's something too. As you work through this process with the value trap, Garage sales are tons of work. That's one of the reasons why I don't do them anymore. They're more work than I'm willing to do to earn the amount of money that I get from the garage sale. I would rather donate it. Okay. And yet a lot of times this idea of making money is enough motivation to do the work or to let someone else do the work in in their home. Okay. For this person you're trying to help. So that that's why they have value in all of that. And yet you know, so along with the being realistic about how much money you're going to get for items, going through the process of trying to sell things when you can, not being able to sell things, deciding that eventually you're just going to donate, all that kind of stuff. Along with that value aspect of things, it's also a reality check on how much work it is to get rid of things. Okay. Because Until you're in the moment of physically having to go through all of this stuff, it's easy to just live in denial. I mean, I'm I'm the queen of living in denial. That was a big part of my problem with all my clutter and my house was my amazing gift for living in denial. 
Um, but you know, the, the reality check of how much stuff equals work, how much the reality of, you know, having more stuff in your house generally means there's less value because it's so much more work to get any money from it that if we're dividing work, the amount of work by the amount of dollars that we're getting from it, all of a sudden where, you know, you have three valuable things that you can do as much work as you, um, you know, that you've got the time because you only have those three things, you can do the work to get the very most amount of money from that and get, you know, $50 from that. But if you have a thousand things, you don't have time to do all of that amount of work to get the very most amount of value out of them. So instead of three divided by 50 times a thousand, instead, you're still only getting $50, but you're doing that much more work and it makes it less worth it. That was a math problem. I'm not sure if it made sense, but the reality is that the more stuff there is, the more work there is, which means the less value your time and your effort has because you simply cannot do the amount of work to get the most amount of money as you could with just three things as you can with a thousand. Again, I'm not sure that that math problem made any sense, but I'm hoping somebody can relate to what I just said and understand it. But anyway, with my father-in-law, so, you know, I talked about the whole um, garage sale thing. It was worth it, even though we, I don't remember that we sold hardly anything of his, but here is what we did do with him. And that is we went through his shop in a moment it was a brief and fleeting moment, but we had a moment where he was like, you know, talking about how valuable the stuff in his shop was. And we went through the shop and we took pictures of things and we said, you tell us what you would like to get for that. What would make you happy? What amount would make you happy to get for that? And that kind of opened up the conversation of, of doing that. Um, I'll be real honest. We then mentioned it to some of our, you know, we live in a, an area where we, you know, we have a lot of friends who work with welding stuff and all that kind of thing. And we had shown it to, you know, some of our friends and our friends were all excited and we told him and he got mad and shut us down and we didn't do anything with it. And yet later on, as we did start to have to get rid of some things and it was actually while he was in rehab that we were starting to get rid of some things. Cause we, you know, he was moving into assisted living when he left there after he broke his hip. Um, you know, we were able to, to say, well, yeah, you said you wanted this amount of money for such and such. And this is how much we got. Now we didn't always mention some of the things that we didn't get anywhere near what he wanted, but the whole point was we were able to show him we respect the value that you see in this. We're not trying to rob you, which is the thing that, you know, he was so afraid we were just going to give everything away, which ultimately we did have to do with a lot of things. But in those moments, you know, of reassuring him as he's having to go through this, you know, leaving his home, we were able to say, you know, you said you wanted this amount of money. And so that's what we're asking for it. Or, you know, we were able to get that for this here. Um, and, and so it was a way to reassure him and respect the fact that, you know, this was his stuff that he'd put a lot of time and money and effort and value into in his life. And so that was important, I think, uh, even though 
it didn't go without a hitch. You know, I mean, like, we did all that work, we got everything together, we talked to people, we were ready to have people come and, um, you know, buy some stuff. And he put a halt to it. And then it was another couple years before we did anything with that, you know, so I mean, whatever happens, every little bit of progress is worth it, because it does start to be something that starts to build on each other, build on itself. I mean, that that's for me personally, my own experience in my home is decluttering momentum is a very real thing. Start small. Don't start with those emotionally charged things. Start with getting rid of, you know, the stationery that people have um, somehow sent to them over the years or whatever. I don't know, stationery sets and things like that. Not like old letters, but, um, you know, get rid of that kind of stuff and, help them see, oh, okay, that wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. You know, the idea of having a garage sale wasn't as daunting. I did have help from the family. They were actually helpful. They weren't unkind about my stuff. All that kind of stuff builds that momentum of the next time being willing to get rid of something or being willing to say, hey, I think I'm ready to get rid of this. Can you help me? You know, so all of that kind of stuff builds and it's all worth it. Everything that leaves the house is going to make it that much easier down the road when everything has to leave the house. Okay, I have been babbling on for a really long time and I have made it all the way through my middle of the night note card notes, I think, right? So I'm going to tell you about Get Organized HQ. If you are listening to this after September, um, probably 10th of 2019, just stop here because you're just going to be sad that you missed it. But anyway, um, it's a reason to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss things. But Get Organized HQ is a free online event. Now here's how it works. There are like 20 different speakers and the 20 different speakers each have a video. And I think the videos are between 20 and 40 minutes. I'm thinking mine is about 30, 35 minutes, something like that. Um, and so everybody's speaking on different subjects. Uh, so it's, it's like a organizing conference, but it's all from home. So you do have to register for the event. It is free, but let me explain how this all works. Cause we all know that nothing, you know, Nobody does anything just to be nice, right? <laughs> is that bad for me to say? <laughs> anyway, but but there is, you know, it's also a business thing for a lot of people. And so here's how this works. So it is free. Um, you can sign up and starting on the 9th of September, which is on Monday, starting on the 9th, going through the 13th, every day there are, I believe, like eight to 10 video sessions. You can obviously sit there all day and watch every video session. And that's great. If you want to do that, that's fantastic. But in case you don't want to do that, um, my advice is to pick your favorite ones. Now, to be clear, once a video session goes live at a certain time during the day, okay, which mine goes live at noon Eastern time on the 10th, which is Tuesday. So at noon Eastern time on the 10th, my session, which is called... Um, what to do when organizing feels hopeless, which I thought was a good thing for me to do when she asked me to do that. Anyway, uh, my session's called that. It will go live at noon Eastern time on the 10th and it will be available for free as part of the event for 24 hours after that. So through, I guess what, 1159 AM on the 11th, you'll be able to watch my session. And that's the case for all of the different sessions. They all go live at different times during the day, but then they're available for 24 hours. So here's what I would do. As a person who loves free stuff and as a person who benefits from deadlines, to be honest, look through and you can go to um, go to aslobcomesclean.com slash HQ. 
that is going to give you um, the link to get over there. It is my affiliate link because I'll explain where money would come into the situation later. But if you go through there, scroll about halfway down and you'll see the names of the sessions. And so what you're going to get when you register is they're going to send you an email every day that says, these are the sessions for tomorrow. These are the times that they go live. You know that you have 24 hours after each one goes live to watch it. So you could watch one while you eat your lunch, or you could watch one while you're making dinner. You could make watch one more, um, after the kids are in bed and watch one while you brush your teeth and put on your makeup the next morning. I don't know. Okay. These are videos. So let's say that out of a day of eight videos, you might go, okay, I'm going to watch four of those and I'm going to work them into my day that way. But once that 24 hour period is over, you don't have access to it for free anymore. Okay. So that's how it's free. It is legitimately free, which is why I love being able to send you to this because as someone who likes free stuff, this is technically available to everyone. Now it's not available to everyone for all of eternity. Um, whenever you feel like watching it, but within these confines, yes, it is free for that period of time from the time that it goes live on one of those days between the 9th and the 13th for 24 hours, each of those videos you can watch for free if you're registered for this event. Kind of reminds me of couponing. Like I, when I was a coupon person, people would be like, oh, but what? And I'm like, hey, they created a system and I'm going to work the system to get what I can get for free. And I'm going to follow all the rules of the system, but it's a system and I'm going to work it. You know, I mean, basically, and this is not like couponing in that it this is it. It is free for this amount of time. But where the affiliate link comes in, which I appreciate if you use it no matter what, just in case you decide down the line. Um, But the affiliate link comes in where if you decide that you want to have lifetime access to all of this stuff and be able to watch it at your own pace, which you can go ahead. I think if you go ahead and get the all access pass, even though it's only the fifth today as I'm putting this out and it hasn't even started, you can go ahead and watch all the videos and you'll have access to them forever. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to say forever because forever is a really long time, but whatever it says, according to the the thing, it's supposed to be a lifetime pass or all access pass, I think is what they say. Uh, but that also comes with transcripts. It comes with audio files that you could, you know, listen to those um, on your commute or something, you know, I, you know, so those types of advantages plus just you don't have that 24 hour window per video. That's where the paid option comes in. And that paid option, I know it's cheaper before the event actually starts on Monday. And then it's another price during the event. Um, But you know, you could start watching them and go, okay, you know, these are really good, but I think I'm going to be good with watching the two or three I can watch per day. Or you might go, okay, these are really good. These are like really good, which I mean, minus, of course. But, you know, these are really good. And I think I I think it's going to be worth it to me to buy this pass. Um, So anyway, that is where my affiliate link comes in. That's why I want you to use that just in case you decide that. Um, And even if you don't, there's like contests that go on for how many people we send and stuff like that that sign up. So I just want you to know about that. Aceslobcomesclean.com slash HQ will take you to my a page that has my affiliate link on it. And that will take you over so that you can um, get registered and sign up for that because it really is an amazing thing that Laura from My Heart Planners has put together. I mean, really, it is a ton of work. And this is all free. So I love being able to offer you something without saying, 
here's this thing. You should go pay 30 bucks for it. I'm like, no, you can actually truly access all of this for free. It's just within these, these time constraints is the way the free version works. So anyway, okay. All right. Um, that and come see me in Waxahachie, Texas, um, on the 19th. All right. I will talk to you guys later.